Welcome to Side Effects, Effect versus Affect. It's hard to know the difference. At McGowan Brabender, our goal is to provoke you to think differently about employee benefits, your employees, and the status quo. That's why it's Side Effects with an A. Join me, Kenzie McEvely, my co-host, Anne-Marie Singleton, and our guests joining us from Tiffin University for a five-part podcast series about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Let's get started. For part two of this five-part podcast series, our experts, Nadia Lewis and Julia Porter from Tiffin University, are here to share how to be a more inclusive company. Today, we're going to learn the best practices for hiring and retaining diverse employees. Nadia serves as the Vice President for Human Resources and for the Center of Intercultural Excellence. She has a degree in international business from the University of Cincinnati, a master's in organizational leadership with a focus in human resource management, along with a certification in strategic global organizational leadership from Colorado Global. Julia is the director for the Center of Intercultural Excellence and has a degree in English education from IUPUI, a master's in English literature from Brooklyn College, and a PhD in global leadership from Indiana Tech. As you can hear, we're in very capable, educated, and cultured hands today. Let's get into today's topic. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to part two of our five-part podcast. Anne-Marie, thank you for joining me in the studio. Yes, so happy to be here and so happy to have our guests with us again today, Julia and Nadia. Welcome. Our experts. Hi. So I am especially excited about this episode um, because we want to help our listeners and our HR professionals out there. So we often get asked when speaking with our employer groups about inclusion in benefits. So how do we offer benefits that meet the needs of our entire workforce? And um, we like to think we're pretty good at um, coming up with ideas, but after learning more and more about what diversity, equity, and inclusion is from you ladies, um, we probably have a lot of work to do in the space. So we're growing and learning here. And, um, you know, we want to hire and retain diverse employees in our own population here at McGowan Braybender as well. So we would love it if you would start our episode off today with a, what I call simple, putting it in quotes, definition of um, what is diversity. Because uh, what we learned from our first episode is it's so much more than just race or gender. Um, it, in, it includes so many other things. So um, I'll ask you, what is your simple definition of diversity? Don't all answer at once. <laughs> I know. <laughs> We, but Julie and I always tend to go, so I always look for her signal. Or we always look at each signal. other to see who's going to talk. Go I ahead, know, Maria. I know. Um, diversity is, and 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 I'm going to put DEI in all of this, right? So diversity, mm-hmm. equity, and inclusion. Um, so many times, and I think this is, you know, what drives maybe a little bit of the discontent when when there's that small select view that hear the words DEI or the acronym DEI, um, that they feel that it is segmented for the benefit of a, a population or group, mm-hmm. um, a set population or group. It, that's not necessarily true. Um, I will say um, 
there has been a population group that has been marginalized and underrepresented, which has propelled the energy of the conversations around DEI um, and belonging, so DEIB now. And so mm -hmm. that has been the case, but it has always been evolving um, because at the end of the day, it meant to include people in their very diverse needs and perspectives. And so it's not just for someone who's black or so someone who's Asian or someone who is transgender. It's, it's for everyone, everyone, every single one of us, Julia, Kenzie, Anne-Marie, we all have different needs. How we show up to the workplace is all very different. Even though behind the camera, we might be laughing and we have so many things in common, mm -hmm. we still have very diverse needs and wants, especially in the workplace. And so that's what our conversations of DEI really started with, is how do you then focus and pay attention to the diverse needs of your workforce? Mm -hmm. um, and it can be females, it can be a working mom, it can be so many different representation in the landscape, whomever your employees and whomever your customers are, right. you should get to know who they are, how they're unique, and how you can connect, connecting on that relationship side of being human and being able to work together, to be collaborative. That, for me, is the DEI conversation in space. Yeah, thank you. And I think we forget too. so many things of DEI, like the difference between living in a rural or urban environment, the difference between income levels, the difference between those that are working parents and those that aren't. There are so many things that make each of us unique um, that, that relate to this as well and how you need to be supporting these employees based on what they're walking into that day at work. Yeah. So how can employers encourage diverse employees to come to their organizations, especially if they struggle with living in a certain area where there isn't much diversity? Right, right. So recruitment, right? You know, how do you go through that recruitment process of knowing how to attract um, and then in another <laughs> conversation, retaining <laughs> a diverse workforce? Um, and so there's a lot that has to go, you know, along with that. Um, I always recommend, um, first of all, recruiting from, there's lots of different sites that you can recruit from. Mm -hmm. um, and so casting that talent net wider, mm -hmm. um, you have to develop a recruitment practice and initiatives before you start doing this. And then the first thing I always want to encourage people to do is hire for potential, Yes, not necessarily experience. Mm -hmm. that, that if you're not going to get diverse talent, if you're only hiring for experience. That's a game because changer. Because there are, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. There's so many people who haven't been exposed. This is where we, we then talk about privilege, right? There's so many people who haven't had the opportunity to have the access and resources as someone else, but the potential is there. And how many times have we heard, whether from a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, a friend um, is, or a child even, that they're so appreciative and excited because they did not have 
necessarily the full experience for a job, mm -hmm. but someone saw something in them that, and that was me too, right. um, first getting started in my career. Someone saw, thankfully, thankfully saw something in them and me that allowed me, afforded me the opportunity to be able to showcase my talents and in turn, aha, epiphany, sometimes what you thought you needed wasn't exactly what it was. And you allowed this person to show, gosh, we can do so much more or there's so much that we can do because this person has shown it to us. Yeah. So hire for the potential. Um, when it comes to recruiting initiative and practices, business leaders must look to, to you know, look past the, the mindset of talent pools, right? You, you have your set platforms. I'm not gonna say names here. We support and love all of them. Right. Um, but in, in, in conversations of casting that net wider, try, maybe advertising for HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities, mm -hmm. community colleges. What about there's, there's business associations and professional associations that foster diverse talent pools. You have um, Asian Business Association, National Association of Black Accountants. I'm in HR. There's a National African-American Human Resource Society on LinkedIn. I always say, in LinkedIn, there's a group for everybody, right? right? There is. There so advertise is. within those groups. Advertise where you look and see, gosh, we need a more diverse landscape in our accounting group. Um, and I would love to foster that. Yeah. Then, you know, maybe you advertise in the National Association of Black Accountants. Maybe you, you know, you advertise in Association of Latino Professionals for America. There's a landscape and a way to attract diverse talents. So when um, you, another thing, oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm going to ask you a question about that. So let's say, you know, you, you do those things, you attract the pool, the, the candidates into the pool, mm -hmm. um, they apply for your role at your company. You're really excited about that. They come to the organization, they meet the other employees as they go through the process and nobody looks like them. Um, they yeah. quickly realize that maybe they're the start of something um, or it's scary for them. Like, um, nobody around here for me to relate to. So what yeah. can you do not to scare those candidates once they're already in the application process and when they pull out? Or, yeah. 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 Thank you for asking that question because that is a huge. great question. And, and as much as um, I cast my net wide to attract diverse talents, I'm well aware that that is also a concern. Tiffin, we're, we're not um, gifted yet to have the population of um, our workforce that mirrors the population of our student, which I shared in the earlier um, podcast that we have students that represent 33 different countries. We're not there yet with our staff and faculty. I would love it to be because, man, what a powerful um, representation for our students to see people that look like them, that have mm -hmm. their master's degree, their doctorate degrees is teaching and is mentoring them. So how you do that is first of all, first and foremost, when you do your job templates and your posting, put a diversity statement up there. It's not that hard. We came up with a mission and a vision and on every one of our posting, our diversity statement is there. I can't tell you how many times I sit down with a candidate to interview them and a diverse candidate 
and they tell me I was further encouraged to apply for your position because I know you are a welcoming environment for someone like me. Mm-hmm. Put yeah. this statement on your post. That says so much. That blanket statement of the EEO thing, that's not enough anymore. Right. So come up with your own mission and vision. That speaks volumes to a candidate that you thought that much to come up with a statement of how you feel and how you encourage and how you foster an environment of allyship for a diverse candidate pool. And then the other thing that I always tell people to do um, is to put a you know statement on your website because that's the next thing people do. Right. They go to right. the website, and and same with us. We have diverse candidates now coming in and say, you know, I love your Center for Intercultural Excellence. I knew that I could be welcome here. And you know what? If hired here, I actually I have some ideas. Mm-hmm. I want to be a part of the center's work because it's a passion of mine and experiences I've had, and I want to be able to help the students with that. Definitely, that's that has to be the intro, the door opener to foster that environment for candidates to want to be, you know, att- find your place as an attractive place that welcomes diverse talent. Yeah. So you, I mean, you led into my next question that I had, and um, we're not all there with a center like you have. So <laughs> let's say we get that candidate, they come on board, they want to work here. Um, you know, this is the same for, for most of our employers, you know, uh, maybe our efforts aren't as far along inside our organization as, you know, all of the work that you've done there at Tiffin. And so how do we keep them engaged and how do we retain them as, you know, how do our employers do that as they're trying to build their efforts in this, um, I'm going to say it, D-E-I-B, mm-hmm. um, adding the B. So yeah. how, how do they, how do they I, retain them? I mean, what are some of the things they can start doing? Yeah, I think one of the things we actually talked about, oh yeah, one of the things we talked about last time was implicit bias. We talked about that in our last podcast. And I think it's really important as an employer not to, when you're hiring, when you're working with people, not to have a picture in your head of how you think this role should look, how this person should look, how they should Mm -hmm. be, how they should act, because then you're you're siphoning, you're not going to get the potential that they have. There's so many potentials that people have that we don't even know. So realizing your implicit bias before you have these interactions and maybe how somebody was in that role before, that's not how it necessarily needs to look. And and let's be honest, is that how it should look? Maybe that didn't work out well for you. So allowing people to have the ability to be themselves and show you the work they can do, how they can do it and respecting your decision to hire them and respecting their um, experience and need to learn and and know that you can, they could be fabulous if you let them do what they need to do without having a preconceived notion of how this position should look. Go ahead, Nadia. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, that's excellent points. The other thing, and I'm going to almost walk it back a little bit more um, to get them in the door um, mm-hmm. when before you hire them, make sure everyone, and this is something we do and we hold steadfast on it. There's not one person who's on that um, interview panel at Tiffany University that has not gone through this training, Mm -hmm. that has not sat through our CCU, our Building Cultural Competencies training. Um, And so for any organization, if you want to make sure you're bringing in diverse talent, if you've got that interview uh, panel and and there are people in there who've never had unconscious bias training, that might be a problem. So make sure that you have people with a diverse mindset that understand you're hiring for a potential, right? Um, that is 
deciding on the right candidate to bring in. Then when you bring them in, um, you want to be able to retain that diverse uh, talent. And there's been surveys that say people make that decision within their first 90 days. Mm -hmm. So we do a 90 day staycation interview. So the first 90 days, Yes. Yes. So, you know, we don't want the honeymoon to be over at all. (laughs) It takes a lot. It's a very expensive process, talent acquisition to bring people in and get them in. So you want to keep them. So we do a 90 day staycation interview and we sit down with the candidate. We first send them out um, a questionnaire and it's all about them. So it's, you know, it's not your normal manager or employee feedback. It's just them. We want their voice. That's what's important. The managers are copied. So they know, gosh, I need to do better this, or I didn't supply enough resources for this person to be successful. And then they sit down with us and we ask them, you know, um, how are things going? Do you have all the tools to be successful? What do you love most so far? What are some things we haven't um, invited or used your skills and knowledge to do? Um, how is your work-life balance in the first 90 days? If I had to give you a rating of one to 10, 10 being very comfortable in the balance, where would you put it? Well, how can we get it to a 10? Um, these are all things that should be a part of that staycation interview. Um, create a robust mentorship program. Mm -hmm. You're you're bringing in diverse talent. So often they may not find that they, like you mentioned, Anne-Marie, see people like them, but you want them to be comfortable. There's a reason why so many employee engagement surveys, they'll tell you, always, always ask whether they have a friend at work, right? They tell you that's the secret sauce question is is that if you get review score really high on that, your engagement score is going to be relatively pretty good. So find out, create their friend at work in the beginning, get them a mentor, have Mm -hmm. someone to help them ease in and to understand sometimes the hidden rules of, you know, the workplace. Um, so that way they're adjusted. If they're someone of a very different background, those hidden rules can really hit hard. And sometimes mm-hmm. people leave because of that or wrongfully punished because they didn't understand. So a mentor is a beautiful gift that helps them to be able to navigate maybe a landscape that they've never been in before, but they can thrive mm-hmm. if they have that opportunity. These are all really tangible things that, again, I'm going to say this, they sound so simple to do. Mm-hmm. Um we're, we're fortunate that we do many of these things that you're talking about. So I'm very energized by that yes. here at McGo and Braybender. <laughs> yes. But it is a change in business processes if you don't do them. Yeah. And so that is really, you have to be very intentional about that. And the one thing that I really, um, out of everything you said, the one thing I really put at the top there was make sure your hiring managers and your interview panelists are trained in cultural um, awareness and cultural competency. Yes. And I really, I love yes. that point. So, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. And one huge thing that we recently just did, and it's another huge way to get people in the door and to stay, is making sure your benefit programs are inclusive. Yes. That yes. was my so. next question. Yep. <laughs> Tell <Yes>. us more. <laughs> Yes. So you, you have to evaluate your employee benefit plan. I think there was a study and I, and I, I talked about this at somewhere I was speaking um, that there was 45% of Caucasian women and 71% of African-American um, or black women reported of having caregiving responsibilities with children and elders. Mm-hmm. Right. So have you surveyed your population at the workplace to find out what benefits are of interest? 
so often I hear um, workplaces assuming, right, what the the benefits are that the pe that their people need, but the landscape has changed drastically, especially in the last two to three years. And I think if you really survey people's needs, they will change. And so evaluate your employee benefit plans um, and the programs, ensure that they're adequately support, like in this survey, caregivers um, within your workforce, flexible schedules for them to be able to be caregivers in this space. Do you have um, elder care benefits? We knew a lot of our people um, <laughs> were getting pets. We added pet insurance yes. um, to <laughs> ours. You know, yeah, so team up like companies with companies like Mago and Brave Enders that have a vast array of benefit options and sit down and figure out your landscape and who your employees are and what's going to retain them. That's yeah. important. So aside from asking your employees, which I hear, you know, ask, ask your employees, ask them Survey. what they want, yeah. what they need. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's obviously the best place maybe to get the information. Is there a particular... Um, Besides that, is there a particular um, organization or a podcast or publication that you find has uh, current and accurate, up-to-date information on what's happening out there with employees and what types of things they yeah, are looking for? Yeah, how do you know? For? Yeah. How do you keep up to date with yeah. all the different backgrounds? Right. I, I For me, it's SHRM. You know, I'm, I'm a member of SHRM. Um, I, I find that they do... Um, a wonderful job of staying current and up to date in employee needs and benefits. And, and, but I do also survey our own employees. We talk to them to find out what's important to them because, and not I mean, say how survey. do you know you're hitting the nail on the head? When we say survey, like I think our um, employers might be hearing, you have to do a big formal survey. You need mm -hmm. to send out a link. Everyone needs to take it. And survey no, can mean so many things, right? Are, yeah. It can yeah. be conversations even. I know we are good at Tiffin. I know our HR department is awesome about sitting with us and asking questions um, and having a conversation as well. So yeah. I think th those are important to set those meetings with your employees and it helps you get to know them and get to know their needs, that individual's needs, as we've talked about, to learn more about them individually as well. Yeah, it can even be yeah. doing a manager one-on-one so -on -one or you know, in a, in a yes, team meeting, exactly. it's that listening and, and it's um, surveying doesn't just mean once a year, send out a link and, you know, that's what we're doing. Do you and guys... that's kind of cold, right? So, so you need to understand because there's, there's a lot of weight sometimes with the request. So you need to understand what's happening. Think about how much you may learn. What if someone says, mm -hmm. gosh, I've got to put my parents in elderly care. It's, 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 expensive and then this is and you find out that they move their parents in with them and this is an employee who sometimes seems frazzled when they show up um you feel like that they're devoid of interest in the workplace and through this conversation you're finding out that they're struggling with what to do with their parents that answers so much more mm -hmm. than the benefit lineup right that that allows you to create a space of grace and understanding for what they're dealing with personally. So I, guys, I'm a fan of, you know, you could do one-on-ones feedback, but have the conversation. Do you find that people are honest when they are asked up front or when they have this one-on-one -on -one conversation? Do they want to share or are they not comfortable with that? I would have told you, if you asked me pre-pandemic, <laughs> I would have said no. 
They're not okay. honest. They're gonna they're gonna tell me what I they think I want to hear. Um, right now, so we're currently doing at Tiffany University our workforce um, retention, but I say it's more of a reattraction assessment. And I saw this mm -hmm. on LinkedIn. I cannot claim this one. I'll, I'll claim the re great reevaluation. <laughs> that one's mine. It's branded. Um, but someone had posted and said, you know, if you're an employer asking how to retain, you're doing it wrong. You should be asking how to reattract your, your workforce that's there right now. Mm -hmm. And that's really what our questions are is, yes, when you started here, these things might have been important to you, um, your medical, your, your dental, your vision. Um, but what now have you found has that changed? What's now important to you? Um, and so that I find is what employers need to do is find out a way to reattract the current workforce that's there because it's changed and they are being honest with us. Mm -hmm. um, and I think because with everything, again, all things pandemic and the emotions and mental health People want the help. So they want to let you know, I, I, I want a more robust EAP because I'm not getting the counseling help for myself and family through our standard plan. Um, they want to know, gosh, I'm, I'm struggling to show up to work on time because I have a kid and, I, and I've seen workplaces um, partner with care.com to mm -hmm. then put mm -hmm. certain monies aside monthly to be able to provide childcare services for those um, workforces, especially if you're, you know, female dominant workplace, that's huge. And so, yes, I feel right now people are being honest. They are excited that you're even asking. And we've become emboldened, right, through the pandemic to real. First of all, I don't think we knew what we needed. We, we didn't know. This is how it's always been. It's been a status quo in how we show up to work and what we do. And then we realized like Nadia referred to in a previous podcast, we realized what we needed. And, and for some of us, that was a different look with our family. Um, Kenzie, you asked before about where else do we find this? If you look on LinkedIn, there are um, groups like the Female Lead. There's working mother groups that are, mm -hmm. are sharing what they need. Um, we're seeing a huge movement the mom project of working mothers. That, a good one. Yeah, the mom project. Yep, we're seeing a huge that. wave of not just working mothers, working parents, right? that need to yeah. leave early and pick up their kids. They're, the school bus isn't the same, right? Or maybe we're not confident with illness running around or there's nobody now to, to grab our kid like there was before because childcare has changed immensely. The costs have gone up. The people that are available that want to do this work post-pandemic is differently. So, so seeing how that's affecting parents is so important and, and being able to have those conversations like for me personally, sometimes it's easier to come in and be working at 7 a.m. so that I can comfortably leave, get my daughter, get things going with activities and things. So I think that's something we need to be reading about and learning about because though I say we're emboldened to have these conversations, there may be some employees that aren't there yet, particularly if they are newer and newer to your culture. So understanding what's going on at large, keeping up with that reading, We'll say it again and again. LinkedIn is such an amazing resource to us that has really, yeah. I found, has really come up during the mm -hmm. pandemic of a place to talk about work, to talk about employees, and to read about that employee experience. Yeah. Well, it makes yeah. me happy to know that people are being honest now because it is the employee's rule these days. Like, they want to tell you or else they're going to leave or they're going to reevaluate, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And they have that right, yes. right? That's that's something that's happening. We see that there are jobs available everywhere. So how as an organization are you going to prove to your employee that you are worthy of them? That's that's something we have to yeah. think about now that maybe we weren't in the past. How how are we worthy of of the talent that we're acquiring? We have to we have to show them. Right. And I think yep. you know sometimes uh not sometimes, many times these are hard topics or conversations for managers to have with employees. Uh, I think that they the managers sometimes feel awkward in asking questions like um, they feel like maybe they're prying when they say like help me understand or can you tell me more about um, or sometimes they may ask the question in a way that you know makes the employee think that if they give the true answer they might be um, in trouble or there could be like a negative consequence so I do think that it sounds so simple like have a conversation with another human across the desk from you there are so many different, as you said, you know, uh, um, you know, implicit biases that people bring to the table, ideas about, um, you know, the person's skills or work versus the person. Um, everything gets, you know, conflated together and it becomes this really weird, confusing conversation sometimes. And I think what I hear you saying is take a breath, have a conversation, seek to understand good things will probably come from that. Mm -hmm. And again, it sounds so simple, but in the course of a busy day, um, you know, with goals and customers and phones and all of those things that, you know, a manufacturing line, everything that has to get done, everyone, I guess I'll say, loses their head and forgets just the basics of how to have this conversation. So I just feel so um, thankful and enlightened that you keep bringing us back to that because it does make all the difference in the world when we sit down and have a conversation in this different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you set the tone, I mean, think about it. Mm -hmm. If you're a manager who has unfortunately never really had those conversations or seemed like you cared about it, right? I'm not gonna say you can't start caring and doing, doing it now, <laughs> but take it back to, and I always say, you set the tone in the experience that a, a person's gonna have in the interview and probably even way before the interview, during the phone screen. And so if the candidate got a sense that this is who you are, authentically, the, the workplace generally cares in that interview process, that when you, when you start asking these questions, it might be very genuine because that's all they've ever known you to be, is to be a caring place of work. And so, um, you know, it's kind of hard sometimes to backtrack when, on that, but you can, and, and you can change and, and, and be vulnerable. Say, I, re I recognize I have not been present in every sense of the word um, to be here for you and supportive of you and to be an ally of you. But I understand that I've, I've gone through training or whatever, and I, I, I want to help me to understand how I can be more supportive place of work for you. If you do it that way, people are going to be honest. Mm -hmm. But if you can set the tone from the beginning, it makes those conversations more impactful and 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 fruitful because they're just going to be generated naturally. And you may not you if you do it in the beginning, you may not even need so much to have the conversation because you're already mm -hmm. so well aware of your employees and who um, the talent are in your area and their needs. 
And collaboratively with a training, making sure that leaders and employers are together from all levels in a training means that everybody has that same experience. They know what to expect out of these conversations. They know what's going to happen and the best practices to do this. So when we say things that seem easy, it's because it's getting easier for us because we've gone through these trainings and we facilitate these trainings and we are seeing how people are learning to work and converse with each other. So that is when it gets easier, when, when, you, when you invest in these trainings that everybody across the board has. Sure. Yes. Well, Nadia and Julia, as we continue in our five-part podcast series here, <laughs> um, part two has come to an end, but our listeners can get very excited for part three. Um, we'll be discussing how to understand your employee's uniqueness and giving everyone a seat at the table. So... To our listeners, please tune in for episode three coming up. And thank you so much for joining us. If you have any questions about this episode, you can email me at Kenzie at HealthierBirthdays.com. Or me at Ann at HealthierBirthdays.com. Thanks for joining us. We will see you next time.